Welcome to the Thinking Pilates Podcast, where show after show, we bring you a different way to think about teaching Pilates. We make you dig deep, ask the tough questions, and keep unraveling the rich layers of teaching movement. I'm Chantel Lopez, founder of Skillful Teaching, an international education company just for Pilates and movement teachers, and author of Moving Beyond Technique. I am so gratefully joined in this delightful and crazy endeavor by my sometimes co-host and podcast co-founder, master teacher and mentor, Deborah Colway, as well as the brilliant and funny consummate explorer of movement and people, James Crater. Today we are joined by a super thoughtful and funny teacher from the Pacific Northwest, Nikki Nab Levy. Now some of you might know Nikki from her podcast, Moving Well, or her recent March Madness Instagram campaign, all about Pilates body diversity, which we're going to be talking about. Nikki is a Pilates teacher, fitness educator, and massage therapist from Tacoma, Washington. She's also a master teacher for the Balanced Body Bodhi System. Now, Nikki describes herself as a kind of interpreter of ideas or a melder of ideas in the movement community, someone who looks at all that's out there and helps others make sense of it, how it fits, and how it supports us as movers and professionals who teach movement. And when I was exploring Nikki's website and podcast before our interview, there was one line that jumped out at me that will give you a pretty good sense of who this chick is. And she writes, you know when your mind says yes, but your body says hell no? It's frustrating. I've been there too. I totally get it, and I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be this hard. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation between me, James, and Nikki, especially because the subject of body and movement diversity is something James has been a huge proponent and promoter of, both in his studio and in his work. So, let's meet Nikki. Hi, everybody. We are here with Nikki Nab Levy and James Crater. Woohoo! Episode 40. So excited to be with you both tonight. How are you guys? Great. I'm good. Super happy to be here. Oh, awesome. So, hey, I wanted to st- I wanted to just jump in with this. I uh, was looking at your website again, Nikki, and um, I one of the things I've been struck by um, as I've kind of been digging through the website and digging through um, the Moving Well podcast website and looking at some of the Instagram posts from March Madness um, is, is just your voice, your really strong, very clear voice. And I thought this was great. This is on like the homepage, I think of your website. And you say, you know, when your mind says yes, but your body says, hell no, it's frustrating. (laughs) I've been there too. Um, I just thought, Oh, she's my kind of girl. Like, (laughs) um, so, so really, really great to have you. And I'm excited about this conversation. This is a little bit of a a different conversation, I think, than, um, we've been having not totally, but it, but it's a a bit more specific. I think I know James has been having this conversation a lot, uh, that, you know, it's kind of one of the, I don't know how you describe it, James, but I think it's one of the kind of core commitments that you express. I mean, that's my perspective. Um, it, and it's like that there is no, there is no right shape, right? There's no right shape in terms of the Pilates movements. There's no right shape in terms of, you know, body and body mechanics and body health and body balance and all of these things. So what we're really talking about in this episode is the Pilates body and what is that and is it a thing um, or or is it just 
we each have a beautiful body and, and we're, we're doing all that we can do to live in it and, and be at peace with it and enjoy it. So excited to have this conversation with you, Nikki. Thanks again for reaching out. And I think this is going to be a really fun collaboration. One of the things James and I thought we would start with is just to get to know you a little bit better and, and let the, the listeners um, find out a little bit more about you. So give us some sense of where you started. You're a Pilates teacher, a massage therapist, you're a fitness educator. Um, how did you, how'd you come to all this? Uh, so the, um, the sort of short, funny story of it is when I was in high school, I took a lot of group fitness classes and pretty much I started with sort of what I fondly call the yelly, screamy side of fitness, (laughs) but (laughs) you know, but, uh, in doing that, uh, they offered like Pilates classes at my local gym and I was like, Oh, this is, this is a nice compliment to all the yelly, screamy things I'm doing. Not that I called it that then, but that's sort of how I've come to think of it. And basically I took a bunch of classes. I was about to go to college and the instructors, uh, at my gym were like, Oh, you're really good at this Pilates thing. You should go do a training. And I was like, okay. And so on my 19th birthday, I went and took the Matt one physical mind Institute training and I was terrified of the muscle man. I thought I was going to get quadriceps group wrong. Uh, and <laughs> just funny because I'm a huge anatomy nerd now. And then I like went on my merry way to college, forgot about it until my winter break because we had this weird six week break when I went back to my hometown gym. And the Pilates teacher there had run away to Jamaica with a whole bunch of company money. Oh no! And, <laughs> and they were like, "We need someone to teach these classes." Oh, you're trained, and I was like, "I'm trained, but I've never taught a class in my life." And they're like, "You know what? At this point, we're desperate." So they gave me like eight classes for six weeks, and I just went in and started teaching. And turns out, I actually really enjoy teaching. So oh my that was the beginning of my training. Yeah, a <laughs> trial by fire, huh? Yeah, just a little bit, uh, and you know, I'm sure anyone who, when you're a new teacher, has had these experiences where people are like yelling at you, speak up in the back of the room and you're kind of timid and then you do it a little while and then you have no problem being loud over time. Yeah. Uh, but you know, from there I ended up enjoying group fitness so much that I declared a second major, uh, in exercise science. And then when I got out of college, I was like, Hmm, now what? Oh, I still like this Pilates thing. So that kind of just dovetailed into me going and taking a full apparatus training uh, up here in Seattle where I live. And then from there, I don't know, I just kept wanting more information. So I went to massage school and so on. So that's sort of the basic gist of it, just always pursuing more ways to sort of help and work with people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's dive Let's dive into this. Um, one of the things uh, that is kind of striking about, you know, your website, we just let's go back to this thing that you say on the homepage, you know, it's frustrating. I've been there too. I totally get it. And I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be this hard. Like, tell us what, what what's your perspective on movement? What what, you know, kind of give us some, um, some context in terms of, um, your work, what you feel like is important and, and then what led you to this, this really very cool, um, March madness thing that you did really looking at different bodies and shapes and, and what that means in terms of the Pilates work. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Um, great question. So, 
as I kind of mentioned, I started in sort of, and there's nothing wrong with this style of fitness, but I started in the kind of the more aggressive, hardcore, high intensity side of fitness. And I came from uh, more of an athletic background of competitive cheerleading and, and gymnastics and pretty much doing all of that without proper rest and recovery and not a whole lot of joint stability because I'm pretty hypermobile landed me in pretty bad chronic pain by like the age of 25. And so I, I've sort of noticed now that I can't speak for everyone, but a lot of us who end up in chronic pain, especially when we're younger, but sometimes when we're older, it's because we sort of go at fitness uh, kind of backwards. So it's like we go for kind of the hard achievement exercises first and there's nothing wrong with those movements, but if you don't have a basic foundation of sort of how to move through space, uh, just general alignment principles, uh, and you don't kind of start slow and work up, it's sort of a quick way to injury. And mm. so in working backwards, uh, what I've found is I learned a whole lot more about how the human body works. I'm actually in some ways very grateful for my injuries, plus I have a lot more empathy now when I work with people who are like, oh, my knee feels weird or oh, my hip feels weird. And so that's kind of brought me to this perspective of having to ramp down and then slowly ramp back up to, oh, you can do the things you want to do, whatever that is, with to a degree, the intensity you want to do it, if you approach it from a place of um, just a little bit more sensibility, where you really think as you go into some of these more challenging athletic things, like how can I take care of myself mm. and honor my body and listen to my body as I pursue these movements? And what do I need to do to sort of help restore my system on my off days when I'm not doing these kind of more challenging, aggressive things? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the one thing that stands out for me and, and I'm going to, I'm going to pass this over to James in a moment because this, I feel like, you know, is something, as I said before, that he's been really passionately exploring and he's kind of got his finger on the pulse of this, um, is that, you know, this, this different approach to movement that looks at asking ourselves, um, how can I take, you know, how can I take the best care of ourselves? And a lot of us do lip service to this idea. I think, um, at least that's my experience over the years, but the problem is, or the, the, the rub really is, is that we as teachers, um, we might wholeheartedly believe that. And as teachers of movement, we've gone through, um, this is an idea we've been talking about, you know, the, the four or five stages of conscious of competence of, you know, learning, uh, the learning matrix. And, and we've spent a lot of time there and we are to a large degree at the fifth stage, which is super competence or reflective competence, where we're actually able to take the experiences that we've had and, and then translate them, right. And teach them to other people. I think that sometimes we, we forget that we have to, in fact, facilitate this level of awareness for our students in order for them to be able to investigate wisely and make wise choices and be responsible. Like there's a lot of fostering, I think on our part, um, you know, reflective listening and open questions and, and these kinds of things that have to happen in order for them to get to this place that you're talking about where, you know, James and I and Deborah too, we've been having this conversation kind of off and on for the last year or so, um, just about, uh, you know, ownership and, um, what does, 
you know, the, the movement, the Pilates movement, the Pilates exercise can be expressed in so many different ways. And you definitely, um, you know, you have, I think, uh, really touched on that. We're going to, we're going to get that to that a little bit later. Some of the March madness things that you've done, um, some of the posts on Instagram, but I think that for me, I would say that's the thing that stands out and that's, that is the rub. That's the crux. Um, I don't know, James, what do you think about that? You know, I'm, I'm actually just really, um, A, Nikki, I've looked at um, some of your website and Instagram, and I feel I feel like uh, our brains are so, like, we're, we're <laughs> in a very similar space um, with stuff. I'm like, oh, look at that. It's, like, outdoor shots, and it's people not doing Pilates. It's people enjoying their body and movement. And, um, you know, I, I just looking at your work, listening to your podcast, looking at the Instagram and everything, that's really what what strikes me is, you know, it's great to do, I, you know, I'm, I'm obviously all for empowerment and exploration, but the, just the enjoyment piece. And I think that too, sort of, uh, hearing you talk about injury and overcoming and, and, um, looking to create a foundation to kind of go forth, you know, it comes down to, enjoyment and enjoyment of movement and enjoyment of body and learning to reconnect with just, you know, the, the feel good aspect of it. And, you know, I love that. And so I'm wondering, um, as you are working with clients, as you are work, like what, what is your grand mission statement? Like what, what are you hoping to do with your work? Ah. Uh. That's a big question, but <laughs> I'll see if I can <laughs> way to dive right in there. Right. Um, I think the, I think the, the crux of it for me is when I work with people is a lot of the clients I get, many of them have had pain or they're burnt out on what they're doing. And so they, they've made, you know, I, I shouldn't say they've made, but they, they're at a place with fitness or exercise or Pilates or their body that it feels punishing. And they feel bad about it. And they feel like they can't get it right. Like they come in and they go, I've seen so many people and I've done so many things and I'm just so stressed out. Like, I don't know how to sit in a chair. I just hurt sitting in a chair because I'm just trying so hard to sit in a chair correctly. Like, that's the kind of conversation we have. And I'm like, whoa, like you, like the way that I see fitness and movement and Pilates and all of these things, because to me it all kind of blends together is I'm like, there's not a right or a wrong way. And I love, I've heard you guys talk about this so many times on your podcast. It's more of the way I see it is you have movement options. And mm-hmm. so if there's something that I could impart to people, it's that they can, they have movement options. So when you try something new or when you take on a new skill or when you're trying to refine how you sit or stand or do a roll down, it's not, Oh, my old roll down was bad. And my new roll down is good. It's just, Oh, I didn't feel like I could move my lumbar spine that that first time. Now I can feel it move. You have a new movement option. You have more choices to move from and more ways to explore. I love that. And so, you know, I I come from a similar background of of having kind of started in, you know, bigger gyms and I'm also a massage therapist and own a Pilates studio and do a podcast and we might be (laughs) overachievers, aren't we? And you know, we, we might be the same person, Nikki. And, you know, I'm wondering, you know, I, I you know, it's, it's a, such a, such a shift to go from your classic group X mentality to sort of what you just said. So where, when you think back, is there a spot 
in the wave of of your professionalism where you're like, oh, is, is, where did the shift happen? How did that, was it someone, was it something, was it a specific time? Or maybe you don't even know, maybe, you know, it just kind of evolved. But, you know, for people listening, I think that's that's the big thing. It's like people can kind of see like, okay, there is another way to do it, but I'm over here doing this, and I feel like I need a catalyst to shift. So what what made that shift for you from, you know, big big corporate gym group X thing to know yourself, you know, teaching from a perspective of just know yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, cause it's, I'm sure you've had a similar experience where it, there's not, it's not one shift, there's multiple shifts. So you sort of, so starting from more of the big gym idea and the raw, get your butt down, do 20 pushups, whatever, another style of moving, let's just say, for me, I really loved it, and then I couldn't do it anymore, and then I had an identity crisis, and I was like, well, if I can't do this, what am I doing? Am I still teaching fitness? And that kind of, that was the initial shift that kind of sent me sort of on this journey, and at least for me, it kind of came full circle, because at first, when I couldn't do those things, and I had my identity crisis, I was kind of bitter about it, where I was like, and I started learning more about the body and I was like, oh, we're wrecking people in gyms. Gyms are terrible. And now a few years later coming full circle, I'm like, oh, gyms can be nice. We just need to maybe look at how we cue and no one's in fitness to screw over the world. So <laughs> the question, right? Like no one, no one gets into fitness to mess up someone's shoulder. Like that's not why we're in fitness. <laughs> in case, so in see- case we were not all on the same page. Definitely, yes. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and, so, and so once I kind of gave myself permission to be like, oh, I can be in, let's say, the gym space, because I still teach in gyms, and I still have a soft spot for group fitness and gyms, but maybe I can infuse, again, more movement options. So yes, you can do your 20 push-ups as crazy as you like. You have full authority over your body. But because I'm at the front of the room, let me show you six other push-up options and then let you choose. And I know I've done my job right because I still teach a boot campy type class when I look around the room and I have 17 people and I see 17 different variations of a push-up. That is a job well done. (laughs) It is, you know, when you can kind of, you know, when your job has, you know, become the the option giver and people actually take you up on that offer, you know, that's a well-trusted instructor. Absolutely. You know, where people can just kind of follow their own, follow their own tune, you know, because it, it's one thing, you know, I think a lot of instructors um, wholeheartedly believe that they are teaching from that perspective. But when you look, you know, if, if you were to kind of watch their class, it's still, um, the students are still uh, stuck doing one thing or what they are anticipating or perceiving that instructor wants. And I think that's where the shift is. It's not, you know, like the, the, the intent in queuing is one thing, but the creation of an environment that allows people to take you up on that offer is a whole other thing. Yeah. I would so ag- job well done. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think one of the challenges that, that we face as teachers, especially when we begin to shift our priorities, you know, from just instructing and just dictating, you know, movement sequences, you know, it's this way, it's this way, just, you know, get it done, get it done to, 
um, or even the, this, we've been in conversation about this, about, um, you know, the difference between facilitating and fixing, you know, in the Pilates environment in particular, not just so a, a, a bit different than group X, but in the Pilates environment, you know, I think a lot of us are holding that context, that paradigm really is that we want to fix people. I mean, we might not think about it that way, but we certainly, I think, um, do want to aid people and, and, and make them better and help them feel better, which is incredibly valuable and important and nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but it can become a fixing kind of thing. And it's tricky. I think, I mean, in my experience, it has been tricky and I get this question a lot. This came up in a workshop that James and I were uh, both at this past Saturday. Um, you know, it's like, well, the people who don't, you know, the people who are expecting to be fixed or expecting to be kind of dictated to, or just simply instructed, it can be challenging when we as teachers go through this shift and we begin to say, I don't have all the answers. No, I'm not going to just tell you what to do. I'm going to facilitate you understanding your body better and making wiser choices. No, this is on you. This is on you. This is not just on me. I'm curious to know, Nikki, like, have you, have you come up against that as you've kind of, you know, grown and evolved as a teacher? And and then how do you particularly, how have you handled that in group X situations? Because I think for our audience, you know, most of them are Pilates teachers and many of them are doing other things as well. You know, some group X obviously and yoga and whatnot. And And it can be really tricky, um, because you have, you have something that you really are, you know, passionate about delivering and it may not totally align with what people are showing up for. Absolutely. And I mean, that's always a challenge. And uh, to go back to James's uh, question about what made the shift, part of it is when you decide you want to change how you're doing things, that's really scary. And if you are a very precise person who's a bit of an overachiever perfectionist, I'm not talking about myself at all right now, uh, <laughs> you know, who really wants things to be correct, it's really hard not to want to correct things, right? Like be like, like when you see things go on. And so part of it is you start to have to let yourself off the clue, kind of let yourself off the hook to try to make everything perfect with yourself and with the person in front of you. And what I've sort of found is when I work with people one-on-one and it drives them crazy, but they keep coming back to me because again, I get people who are like me. They're a little rigid. They're a little type A and they're like, but I just want the one right answer. And I go, they go, I just, I don't trust myself to move. Right. And I go, okay, well, first off, you're on your back with your feet on a bar. You're not squatting 200 pounds right now. So guess what? You get to play. Like the load is really low. Your SI joint isn't going to explode because you know, you did a little too much external rotation (laughs) on two red springs or whatever. Uh, my people are kind of snarky like me. So we, we kind of laugh at it, but I go, I want you to play. So put your feet on the bar, push out and in, notice what you feel. Okay. Take your legs a little wider, push out and in, notice what you feel go a little closer, right? So I just start giving them options to play with. And what they'll find is it's like the same, better, worse game. I go, which one feels best to you? Go with that until it doesn't feel good and then try something else. So it's just, right, if I see something, like I'm always thinking about load. So in a group fitness class, my running joke is like, let everything go, save the lumbar spine. Mm -hmm. Uh, just because that's where people are going to feel it, of course. But even then, I just try to keep the cues really basic, and I try to do more uh, 
feeling cues than like squeeze your muscle cues. So like if someone's doing a plank, for example, I'll say push into the ground from your hands and feet and then notice how that and try to just feel your spine get kind of long and see what you feel turn on. So I kind of cue in a way that people will end up roughly in the position I'd like them to be in, but not so specifically that that person who's really, really analytical is going to get like lost in thought about exactly where their shoulder belongs. Mm. I don't know. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, 110%. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exceptional. Uh, and, yeah, I love how you uh, just dropped in there and, and taught a class. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's um, nice. It's nice. It's an interesting, you know, it's kind of like um, I think maybe a, a lot of our listeners, you know, are sometimes kind of like, what planet are you guys from? And how the hell do I even implement what you're talking about? You're so far (laughs) out in space, Um, which I totally get. And I can appreciate because I know that that's, you know, that's the place that we can go. I mean, that's the point of the web, the, um, the podcast for heaven's sakes. And I think what I, what I'm appreciating about what you're saying, Nikki, is like, it's just this very simple balance. Like, don't make it too complicated. Don't over cue you know, give a little bit this idea of feeling cues. You know, we've talked a lot about um, interoception and quality and, you know, what's the internal experience, what's your experience, what's your thought process, that kind of stuff that gets a little bit, you know, digs a little bit deeper. But in a group fitness class or even a group Pilates class, it's like, do this and see what you feel. And are you feeling this, that, and the other thing? You know, it's just a, it's a really nice, uh, it's a really nice balance, I think, is what I hear you saying. That's pretty, pretty darn simple, right? It's just pretty, because you have to be, right? It has to be direct. It has to be clear. It has to be able to be delivered kind of quickly um, in a way that still is leading the student toward their own choice rather than just, you know, being being fixed by you or dictated by you. So. Um, Absolutely. And the thing I would just add to that is when I say this and I talk about simplifying, I'm not saying don't not learn what's happening, right? Like I, I will happily wax poetically about upward rotation and scapular humeral rhythm, like, and the sling systems, like I love all the big words, but so it's really nice to have that context of, okay, this is sort of the design of what I'm kind of looking for, hopefully, maybe, and maybe I can use some cues or some feeling ideas or add some input through props to get people to find and feel these things that I have in my head that might be beneficial to them. But our clients, like the body doesn't move because we think, okay, pelvic floor multifidi, transverse abdominis, uh, rectus, da, 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 da. like we don't like, that's not actually how that's not how we move naturally, right? right? So it's kind of like move like a human. And if you think that way, it's like, you're almost, you're almost, you can't, you're almost paralyzed. Like mm-hmm. it's really hard to move when you're trapped in that late, that number of cues. Whereas if you just think, Hmm, push off the ground, lift my arm, what's going to happen. That's, that's a lot more productive, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 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 Agreed. It's sort of, uh, explain that concept to my clients. Cause you know, we all have the clients that want to know exactly this and exactly that and where this, where that. And I'll often tell them, I said, you know, it's, it's like looking at art. Like certainly you can look at the colors, you can look at composition, you can look at brush, stro- uh, brush strokes or lighting or whatever, or you can just appreciate the art and they are not, <laughs> you know, it's not, uh, mutually exclusive, 
or inclusive of each other. You know, certainly art takes all of those things, but all of those things are not art. And so your clients are really just interested in art. They just want the outcome. Does it feel good? Is it elevating? Is there a connection to that? Is it memorable? Is it something they can take with them? You know, but it's important for the artist to know all of the components of the art. Absolutely. You know, and then, you know, and then if, if your client wants to talk shop a little bit, then, you know, you, you, you talk shop just a little bit and, and tell them your method. But it's not important in the midst of, you know, of the gallery to know exactly what all the little bits and pieces are. It's important to just, do you like it or do you not? Yeah, and, and, and taking out the mystery. Exactly, exactly. And speaking of art, can we talk about your Instagram? Yeah, sure. let's do it. <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about your Instagram. So, uh, <laughs> Nice segue. I, I thought, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't even know it was your Instagram. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. I didn't, I didn't even notice. But I know the photos because I saw them reposted on a lot of awesome. my friends' Instagrams. Awesome. And, you know, it was it kept posting and, and stuff, and, and I was like, oh, that's really cool brick. Oh, I love that loft. I love that. <laughs> and, then, and then when I saw the whole portfolio on, on your Instagram, I was like, oh, my God, how did I not find this? Mm. Um, because here's, here's a little secret. I actually don't really get into March Madness. Mm-hmm. And I said that. I said that earlier this year because I'm so tired of seeing a million variations, a million, when I thing. say variations, the same thing. Yeah. Of, you know, here, and here's teaser, and here's plank, and here's this, and here's that. I'm like, oh my God. It had become for a long time just a collection of, look how well I can do fill in the blank. What I liked this year <laughs> was seeing some really creative and cool stuff kind of pop up all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, check out Nikki. What is your Instagram handle? Oh God, it's my last name, so it's yeah. I'll just spell it. Uh, N is in Nancy, A A B is in boy, L E V is in violin, Y. And you can blame my web developer for why everything has my last name on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so we're gonna. For those of you who. Oh, I sorry. I was just gonna say we'll link to it. I'll put a couple of these posts uh, links to the Instagram wow. photos. From March Madness, and I'll I'll put um I'll put all your in, your information up there, Nikki, so yeah, people can yeah yeah yeah. So for those of you listening, just go back a few and, and kind of check out her March Madness stuff. I mean, the the whole Instagram is great, but the March Madness stuff was it was beautiful. I mean, it was just beautifully shot. I like you know I gravitate towards sort of like just a photo photojournalistic. Mm-hmm. Here here it is, what it is sort of uh, look anyways, and that's sort of what it was. And I just want to have a conversation about body image, Pilates body, and sort of your impetus for why that project in that context. Right. So, I mean, I think a lot of inspiration comes from when we get mad sometimes, uh, and I, I, I love me a good constructive rant, shall we say? I can be a little ranty myself. Uh, oh, I feel you. <laughs> right. I, I know we know nothing about this experience. Uh, it's, it's highly opinionated teachers who've been around for a while. But it was one of those things never, where... Never, 
right? Never. But a while back, uh, there was a certain article, uh, and I'm not going to bash it or even say the name of it, but there was a certain article I read talking about basically asking, why are so many Pilates teachers out of shape? And I remember reading it because of the impetus, and I'm sure a lot of people read it and might have had various feelings around it similar to mine. But the, the, the basic premise of this article was this person was essentially saying, well, if you, I see all these people on this popular website, which I'm pretty sure they're referring to Pilates anytime. And these instructors have great knowledge, but like, they just don't look like they can do the moves. And I don't know, why would you want to take a class from that person? Like, that's kind of the gist I got from it. And I was like, you know what? I know a lot of instructors who have great knowledge, who practice Pilates in a way that works for their body who don't look like your typical fitness person. And there's nothing wrong with looking like your typical fitness person. But I was like, I'm sort of over this idea that you can look at someone and see their fitness. Because the only time we judge someone like that, for the most part, unless we're alignment snobs, which, you know, you got at least one in the room, that'd be me. But most of the time, you're not going to look at someone and be like, man, their hamstring length is terrible. They're really out of shape. right but flexibility is a component of fitness but we'll look at someone and be like i don't know if they could rock a crop top the way i'd like them to i'm mortally offended they're clearly not qualified to be a fitness professional Mm. and i just wanted to push back and have a I, I i wanted to have a really positive conversation about this but i also wanted to push back and be like look We all have different bodies. We all have different strengths. We all have different limitations and stories and body proportions, right? It's not just about body composition. If you have a short torso or a long torso, that's going to affect how well you tease or backbend. You know, let's, let's look at all these different bodies in these poses in a really artful way, but let's really look at them and talk about like, okay, we all have different bodies and let's celebrate that and talk about all the cool things that we can do because we have different bodies instead of being like... I don't know. Let's all break our backs trying to fit into one mold and make ourselves crazy and feel bad about it. Cause we don't need that as instructors and our clients don't need that either. Well, it's, you know, I mean, it's just also not the way the human body, it's just, you know, it's oh. not the way it works. <laughs> I mean, I guess for me, you know, it's like the bottom line is it's not the way it works. It's just not the way it works. My, the way I move is not the way you move and my body is not like your body. So why would this, you know, it's like, why, why would the way the movement is expressed look the same? I mean, if you, if you look at, I know we're, I know it's like we could split hairs here, but I think that it's in the realm of the same context. You know, you look at, you look at professional golfers, you look at, look at professional athletes. They all have different strategies, right? I mean, you watch a golfer swing a club. And I mean, I, I am a golfer. I've been out on the course. I've caddied. I've done that. I've watched golfers. And sometimes I'm just like, how the heck is that guy even getting it done? I don't know. That's the goofiest swing I've ever seen, but he is getting it done and he's getting it done better than anybody else. You know, it's, it's like, it just, the body organizes, organizes itself in whatever way it, it can, it needs to, it's able to, I mean, it's, it is just such a fascinating conversation to me, um, just in general. Um, and a lot of people are having it right now. And this is one of the, one of the conversations that James and I had before we came on to the podcast. Yeah. Go James. Yeah. It's, it's, um, 
<clears throat> that was my comment about it all. I said, you know, when, when Chantal and I were, were discussing what we wanted to talk about on this, and I said, you know, this the Pilates body uh, conversation is not new. You know, body <clears throat> conversation is not new. But I think what was intriguing about the way you did it was sort of framing, you know, uh, stuff in like, look at, look at how this body does this movement. And these are things to sort of expect or kind of look at or appreciate um, or troubleshoot with this movement. So it's sort of, it was like this beautiful learning experience in an artful way. And I'm just wondering how the, um, how from your, from your end, how the, uh, the whole project was received. Did uh, positives, negatives, especially the negatives, did anyone respond negatively to that? Or like, what, what was your, what was the reception like? Yeah, well, thank you for that. Um, so first for people who just, just to give people an idea of what we're talking about with work, I wanted this project to be more than, oh, look, people with different levels of adipose tissue doing Pilates. Like, enough people have done that photo project, and it's great that we're getting that out there. So I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about that, but I wanted it to be a deeper conversation. So, for example, we talked about things like, oh, if you're rolling like a ball and the rules have always been to put your hands on, like, the bottom of your ankles and you have short arms and boobs, good luck. Yeah, I right? actually... You're not a failure at rolling like a ball. You just have short arms. I loved that, <laughs> actually. That was, one of the, that was one of the Instagram posts that I actually have pulled up on my computer right now that I, I wanted to, to point to, and, and I'll link to it, Nikki. But I thought that was great. It's two bodies in the same shape, slightly different positions, and you're like, look, if you've got a chest and you've got short arms, it's going to look like this. And if you don't and you do, it's going to look like this. Does it mean it's better or worse? It means, no, you're making a wise decision about how to facilitate, you know, the fullest expression in your body. It was like, that's so liberating. That's so beautiful. And it's, anyway, it was great. And I, I just, that's one that's really stuck out to me. So I'm glad you, you picked, you picked it too, to talk about. Thank you. Absolutely. And so I think that because I went at it from this this kind of conversational learning moment of let's actually analyze the bodies in front of us. Uh, you know, I actually, I didn't really get any negative pushback. Like I, I guess I'm not Instagram famous enough for people to get mad at me on the internet yet. <laughs> I guess I haven't arrived. Uh, but for the most part, what I, what I got, what I got were just really positive comments and a lot of people going, having ahas where they went, oh my God, I needed this, or oh my God, me too, or oh, that's why this exercise is so hard. It's not because I, you know, it's not because I suck at rolling like a ball and I'm super weak. It's just because I need to move my arms higher up my shins. Oh, look at how much easier this exercise is now. Turns out I love it instead of this exercise makes me feel like a miserable failure. Mm-hmm. And that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, For sure, for sure. I mean, that's, you know, the self-limiting belief that you can't do something because your version of whatever it is has to look like someone else's um, is is huge. And so that to me was the standout, you know, like, yes, the photos are are interesting. Um, The project in and of itself is interesting, but the the learning component of that was, um, was really awesome. 
So as you were shooting, do you have any funny stories or hardships? Or how did you even get people to do that? Like, did you know all of those people? Or was it a, a project project? Or was it like friends? Uh, yeah, a bit of both. So it was one of those things where I had this idea where I booked the photographer. Cause she's someone who's done all my shoots and her crush. She's amazing. Uh, her name's Rebecca Ann Morrison. But it was but I, I sat on the idea until about five days before the shoot. And then I was like... All right, I'm going to go for it. So I just posted to Facebook. I was like, hey, I'm working on a body diversity project. Uh, we're going to shoot at this date and time. I need a group of instructors who's in. And I just tagged everyone I knew locally. And thankfully, I have wonderful, lovely friends and people <laughs> who I'm connected with loosely on the Internet who live close to mm-hmm. me who were like, cool, I'm in. And that was really the general organization of it about five days before we did the shoot. But what was really funny with the shoot is, uh, so Janet Sunderland, who's my co-host on my mm-hmm, podcast, mm-hmm. Um, is like the most body accepting, like smart person you'll ever meet. Like she, she knows every variation for every exercise plus all the names it's ever had. It's ridiculous. But she also <laughs> has done enough photo shoots that she knows what's going to look good in a photo. So normally she's like this really lovely laid back instructor who like, and do what feels right on your shoulder or whatever. And when we did the shoot, she's barking at us and she's going, suck it in, point your toes, suck it in more, 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 more. You'll thank me later. Yeah. Drop your chin. Good. Now reach for those arms and point your toes like crazy and make sure you breathe, but smile. And we got these great photos because she was barking at people. (laughs) I was just like, oh, people are hating you right now, but they're, they're going to thank you later when we get these photos back, and they're marvelous. But it was so funny to watch her do it, because she's she doesn't teach like that at all mm-hmm. in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is funny. There are some great photos of her. I'm looking at the one on Instagram uh, oh, yeah. of her doing swan. <laughs> so mm-hmm. freaking awesome. It's so great. And you know what's so funny about that swan photo is she hates, she's going to hate me for saying this, but that's fine. She don't know up to it. She hates how her butt looks in this photo. And this comes back to that body image thing. She goes, why did you pick that photo? And I'm like, because that's an amazing, powerful photo. And it she's totally like, but look is. at my butt. And I'm like, no one's looking at your butt but you. Oh my she God, her butt looks great. She hates that photo and great. everyone loves it. <laughs> your butt looks great. Janet if you're listening and I hope you are your butt looks fantastic (laughs) I'll make sure I make her listen yes absolutely absolutely that's going to be at minute uh, 38 uh, and 15 seconds there we go so so going forward Nikki how do you how do you hope to keep the body the body conversation going like where where would you like it to see go uh you know because it's i don't i don't know that there is an answer to this i'm just sort of interested to hear conversation like what what next yeah you know and i've thought about this uh quite a bit and i think i want to take it from because i love pilates don't get me wrong like that's always going to be sort of the foundation of what i'm doing but i'm a i'm a movement mutt and I'm not a purist about really anything. And so I kind of want to take it from, okay, this is Pilates to this is fitness to this is movement because the big message and I think the big belief system, the big belief I have is that 
everyone has a right to fitness, whatever they define that as being and health and feeling good in their body. And I think that something that has happened somewhere along the way of our fitness marketing and messaging and Pilates marketing and messaging is we've created this us versus them where people look at this, they look at the instructor, they look at the pictures on Instagram, they look at, you know, the, whatever the advertising is and they can't see themselves there. Like they literally do not see themselves in that space. And so they feel alienated. They're deeply uncomfortable to be there. And so I kind of want to open up the doors to instead of like, hey, there's fitness, it's this one little box and it's all that you get to pursue. Uh, And it's funny, James, because I think I've heard you talk about how you don't do fitness. I I went through part of my identity crisis was what am I doing if it's not fitness? And then I realized, wait, fitness is to me simply helping people feel better in their body and being able to do more than they thought they could at any given moment in time. It's absolutely fitness. So I would just love to see this conversation get wider and bigger into how do we take these things that are considered esoteric and post rehab, like spinal mobility and using your rotator cuff and turn it into this greater conversation of, Oh, look, these movements look different on everyone everyone's going to pursue different things for the sake of fitness and we all have a right to it and we all have a right to feel good about it. And so that's sort of where I'd love to see future projects go. Just expanding this idea of what we see in a studio, in a gym, doing fitness, doing movement, just really blowing open the doors versus just this very narrow cookie cutter idea of this one person with a sports bra on with long curly hair and a long torso and six pack gaps. I just want it. I just want there to be more room for more people. Yeah. You mentioned too, Nikki, in our uh, email correspondence, just that how this is not, you know, this is not unique to Pilates. I mean, it's happening in yoga. It's happening in, you know, uh, boot camp classes. It's happening in like nutrition and, and all kinds of things. You mentioned mental health as well. Like they're, this, you know, there's a great episode that, um, Deborah and I just did, uh, that's, that looks at like, what's the right way, like the comparing mind, right? We get very trapped in this, um, comparing mind, like, because we somehow feel compelled to, to become so myopic that we, that we are, we are limiting our choices. And we're saying like, this is the only way, this is the thing. This is the only thing for me. It's the only thing that works. It's the only way to do it. Um, you know, it, but you know, it's just, I don't, I don't see how that's really helpful for for any of us in any aspect of our lives. I don't want to get too esoteric there, but, um, you know, we were having this conversation, James and I, with our, the skillful teaching mentoring group this weekend about just chain of like the language of teaching and, and, and how the way that we craft our language is, is really critical to the message that we're sending and, and the way that we can invite our students in to, to be a part of it um, in a way that's you know authentic to them and they're able to just show up. And I know that's language you use too, Nikki. Um, but the difference between movement and exercise, you know, and, you know, what, what does it mean? And does it, does it, it does mean something different to a lot of people, but what are we really trying to achieve? Are we really trying to achieve fitness? Are we trying to achieve healthy movement? Are we trying to get our exercise? You know, I think it's just, it's a very interesting to me shift. Uh, the par- it's, it's a paradigm shift, really, I think, in terms of the way that we're showing up physically in, in our lives. You know, we don't squat in the fields, most of us, not in America. 
um, not, not in the West period. Um, we're not, most of us are not farming, uh, you know, our own vegetables. We're not raising our own livestock. We're not walking everywhere. We're on our phones. We're sitting in the car. We're on our computers. So being physical, having a physical life, being in the body, you know, embodying our lives looks like for many people exercise that, you know, that struggle to get to the gym. So I just think it's a very, it's a, it's a small piece of a very big shift that luckily I think is happening. Absolutely. And I mean, part of it too is I'm sure you both have had these types of conversations with people where, I mean, there's a few paradigms that we kind of butt up against when we have these conversations. And one of them is, oh, well, if it wasn't formal, like I went on a walk, but I didn't think about walking, then it's not exercise. And it's kind of like, that counts. It all counts. So that's one paradigm that I feel like I sort of have this conversation with people a lot. And then the other one I run into it is, is they go, well, it didn't hurt. Yes, yes. yes, You know, and that's always so funny to me. And I go... Is there any other time in your life where you go, oh, it wasn't miserable, it didn't hurt, it didn't leave me throwing up and crying on the floor, curl up in a fetal position? I guess it didn't work. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah. searching, I'm searching my brain right now. I can't, uh, nope, can't think of anything. <laughs> I cannot think of anything. But when you point that out to people, most of them, there's a rare exception, but a lot of them pause and they laugh and they go, oh, and you're like, Right. So, so it's sort of pointing out to people that exercise is a formal version of movement, but these two ideas aren't mutually exclusive. They're all actually kind of the same thing. You can only squat so many ways, mm-hmm. despite what the fitness magazines tell us. <laughs> well, they're all telling us like three versions of how to squat, right? Just using slightly different language. And there are always three miracle new versions. Yeah. I love your post. <laughs> I was just looking but at you. You only have to do twice to achieve the best part of your life. Yeah. I was yeah. looking at your post, Nikki, on your blog that says, uh, let's see, which one was it? Oh, darn, I can't find it now. This, shoot, where'd it go? Something about the not-so-secret, uh, you know. Oh, oh, tips for good squats. Yeah, not-so-secret tips for good squats. I thought that was great. I was like, yes, indeedy. That's that's out there now, right? Um yeah, it's so fun. It's so fun. I really, just again, like, I love your voice. I love the, uh, you know, you're you're a little cheeky um, to a lot cheeky, which, of course, I think, you know, both James and I really appreciate and, and very honest. And um, it's just great to talk to you and to explore your perspective on all of this because it is a conversation that's happening. And I think all of us, and, and hopefully those of you who are listening, are are at least intrigued by how to how to continue this conversation. And, and we can each do it in our own way, you know. And, you know, and we use different language and we approach it slightly differently. But um, that it's just not. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be a narrow field. It doesn't have to be about doing it one way, because we all have bodies, you know, and we all have lives. And as long as we are alive we've got a body we need to consider. So it's great. It's great stuff. It's great talking with you. I think, um, James, do you have anything else before we wrap up and, and do our kind of final questions here? Yeah. Uh, well, a, so can I tell him who's on our next episode? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. So <laughs> for our next episode, <laughs> 
<laughs> so for our next episode, um, uh, I'm super excited. Uh, Wendy LeBlanc Arbuckle is going to be our next guest, and I believe all three of us are going to <laughs> co-host. So yeah, yeah. Deborah and Chantel uh, with Wendy Arbuckle. Yeah. Oh, shenanigans yeah. are going to uh, ensue yeah. for sure. Beyond is fun. I, in fact, I described uh, Wendy today in an email to Deborah and Chantel as my unofficial spirit animal because um, <laughs> I just think she's so amazing. Um, she is so, you know, like, I mean, if you know her work, you know she's amazing. She's been on the biointelligence track forever. And I'm just super, super excited to hear what I'm super excited to just learn from her in the in the limited amount of time we will have her on the phone. So I'm just wondering for the two of you, do you guys have an official or unofficial movement spirit animal? Um, let me just say, let me add this. In our earlier conversation, we did we did come to the conclusion that you don't just have to have one. You could have like a whole totem pole of spirit animals, and that would be that would be totally <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, I don't know that I could pick just one. Um, right. Uh, Nikki, what do you think? What, what Who comes to mind? Oh, well, my, my, my cheeky answer is that coffee is my spirit animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is also on my totem pole. Yes, yes. Right? Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure I could come back in another life as an Americano. Uh, <laughs> and I joke about that, but, like, people really don't realize how bad. Uh, that particular vice and addiction that I make no apologies for. <laughs> Amen, sister. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, but if I have to pick an actual animal, uh, I, I think I'll refer back to the This Is Pilates post because this has been an ongoing running joke between myself and my co-host Janet is that we're, um, when we talk about body proportions, we compare greyhounds to corgis. <laughs> And so I am a greyhound. I have very, very long limbs and almost no torso. Mm. And Janet is a corgi. She's the exact same height as me. And she has a super long torso and relatively short arms and legs. And our body proportions are so different that when she realized how close my uh, ASIS was to my greater trochanter, she asked me how I walk. (laughs) So so at least in proportion, so probably not in speed, I would have to say I'm a greyhound. Okay, I'm into that. I'm into that. Awesome. Oh gosh, I don't even know. I'm like, I don't usually get flustered when I'm put on the spot, but I'm totally flustered. I have no idea. It's like I'm having this inner dialogue about, like, don't make the wrong choice. Don't make the wrong choice. This is being recorded. <laughs> you, you're going to be right or you're going to be wrong. Yeah. Right as, as we talk about all of the choices okay. people have. That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, if I'm thinking about people, um, I'm just going to be a, t- a total, just a total nerd here. Um, I mean, honestly, Deborah Colway. <laughs> Yeah, is on my totem pole for yeah. sure. And, you know, I just think about like, I guess when, when you ask that question, I think like who, who really touches the heart of me, like the very heart of me, both intellectually and, and, you know, spiritually and emotionally. And, and the reason I asked Deb to, to co-host this podcast, you know, two, two and a half years ago, whenever we started was for that reason. I mean, I barely knew her, but I just knew, um, so, uh, you know, that's, she's somebody that comes, uh, right up to mind. Um, if, if I get a little bit more intellectual, I would probably say, 
um, I, I'm, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think Philip Beach right now is on my totem pole. I mean, only because, I I mean, only because maybe he doesn't give a shit about Pilates and I'm into that. Um, (laughs) you know, like his, his perspective is, I mean, one of my favorite things, well, when you and I were there together with him, James, you know, a few years ago, he said, don't be a tissue fascist. And I just thought, F yeah, F yeah. Don't be a tissue fascist. Like look at the whole system. So I think I don't know him. Uh, you know, I, I have permission to use his work in the, in the Pilates metrics library that we've created, you know, but I don't have like, I don't really have a relationship, but my sense is of him that he's, you know, he's like, a, he's like the real deal. He's like the whole thing, the whole person, not just from his perspective of his model, um, you know, the contractile field model, but just like the approach. And he's not, I don't know. I'm really sounding like a fanatic now, but anyway, I'm, I just, Are you part of the I know I no, dig, uh, I dig what, him. What I also really liked about him was that he was willing to just go like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yes. I don't know. Which yes. is, uh, such a refreshing thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And Mickey, so we are, uh, you know, Chantel, Deborah and I have been talking about like, what do what do we want this podcast to sort of be and look like and and such? And we were we've been toying with the idea of having like sort of a final question. And one we're sort of playing with right now is, in your opinion, or for you, what is the future of Pilates? Oh, the Pilates police are so going to arrest me. Good, um, good. Bring them on. Let them bang right? down no, the doors. I- well, I, so I think the thing is, and I've had actually on our podcast, because I do feel need to reference this as I talk about it, we had a conversation with Anula Myberg, who I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, and she is a hoot. Uh, and and we were sort of just talking about how this idea that uh, the Pilates method, and I think people have different opinions about this, is sort of having an identity crisis. Mm. And part of that might have something to do with the fact that we've had some infection fighting, we'll just say, a little bit of cattiness uh, between classical and contemporary. But at the end of the day, the thing that I will always appreciate about the Pilates method, regardless of what side of that spectrum you come at or if you meet somewhere in the middle, is Joseph Pilates was an innovator, right? Like, he looked at bodies, from what I know of what he did, he he really was trying to, like, make it match the body in front of him. And if you talk to the elders and one of them says, I did this in parallel. And the other one says, I did this in turnout. You can see it. Like you can see that there was this innovative spirit there of wanting to create things and make things better. And so I think the future of Pilates, at least for me, is to continue to take this work, this beautiful work that we've been given and this brilliant equipment and these springs and all these things and just continue to innovate it and just bring better information to the Pilates industry and to the fitness industry and to keep collaborating with people like Philip Beach, like these non-Pilates people who have such brilliant concepts that can work so well and intermingle so well with the work that we're already doing. So that's my thought is innovation is the future. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great. You're going to go down in history as the first guest to ever answer that question. So Awesome. Yeah. I'm sure everyone will have an opinion, but that's kind of what I appreciate about our industry. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, Nikki, it has been a real pleasure to have you and to talk with you. And, and thank you for just being a total rock star and so willing to have, you know, the conversation and, and be open and um, everything that you're contributing to our community. It, it's, it's pretty fantastic. So um, we're going to let everybody know about you, about the Moving Well podcast that you and Janet are doing, your blog, the Instagram um uh, March Madness thing and beyond. We'll link to all of that. Um, yeah. And thank you. Thank you again. Really, really appreciate your time and, and, um, way to go kid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much. This has been, Oh, sorry, James. I was just going to say, this has been so much fun. No, I was just going to thank you. This has been uh, really great. I'm glad to meet a new friend. It's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I mean, we just met and I feel like we have known each other for 10 years. (laughs) James is just like that. He's just like that. He's like a warm, cozy blanket. <laughs> oh, and whiskey neat. It's a cozy. He's a cozy blanket and a whiskey neat uh, put together. His totem pole is getting longer and longer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We really hope you enjoyed that conversation. It was a lot of fun, and we're so happy to bring Nikki to the forefront and and help spread the word about the work that she's doing. We wanted to uh, also share for our pro tip and hero section this episode, Nikki's contribution to this piece, which is really awesome. So the pro tip for episode 40, when you're struggling with the idea of putting yourself out there or using a new teaching technique, the best way to get started is simply to start, preferably with a small action slightly outside of your comfort zone. Now, this doesn't need to be a huge, bold action. It doesn't need to be perfect, and there doesn't need to be a beautifully drawn roadmap, which doesn't exist and won't be followed anyways. Small, consistent steps in the direction of where we want to go, plus patience, is enough for us to grow into the people we want to be and create the shifts we desire. Nikki's hero for this episode, many of the shifts I've made in queuing at letting people feel things has come from studying under Judith Aston for the past year and a half. She often speaks to, quote, teaching from the yes, and it's shifted my mindset from right and wrong ways to do things to movement options. On the empowering people to feel good in their bodies end, I definitely give a shout out to Molly Galbraith and Girls Gone Strong. They're more on the heavy lifting side of things, but that organization is all about having conversations and how we can bring more people to fitness and how we can empower women to feel that they have the right to love and take care of themselves. So awesome. We're going to link to all of those resources for you in the show notes. And that's it for us this round. Join us for episode 41, a super, super beautiful, touching interview with Wendy LeBlanc, Arbuckle, myself, James, and Deborah. Um, it's quite an experience, so don't miss that. Uh, coming up next, you can reach us at thinkingpilatespodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and look forward to the next time. Until then, breathe deep and teach well. All the things that make you sing and tap your little toes.